0: MHR Radio, the return of the best Denver Broncos podcast on the internet. There you go. You should just say in the universe. That would be awesome. Hey there, Broncos fans! It's MHR Radio, the return of the best Denver Broncos podcast in the universe. I'm Kyle Montgomery, lead blogger at MHR. You can also call me Monty. MileHighReport.com staffers. Ian Henson is here in the house with me. Ian, say hello. Hi, everyone. We also have our draft expert on the staff, Christopher Hart. Hey, Christopher, how are you doing? Good. How about you? Very well, thanks. Excited to bring MHR Radio back to the fans. You have been asking for it, and we are here to deliver. Tonight, we've got a lot on our schedule. We're going to talk Broncos draft. We're going to talk Broncos needs, what positions they need, what players can they pick on day one, if they pick on day one, to fill those needs. We're going to talk a little bit of Bjorn Warner versus Tank Carradine. We're going to talk Man Teo, Desmond Trufant. We're going, to, we're going to talk the draft that is happening this Thursday night at 6, at, uh, six o'clock Mountain Time. Then we've got the Broncos schedule. That just came out last week. What are our favorite games? What's the tough games? What are the tough stretches of the schedule? Um, how we break that down and which primetime games we're most excited about. Um, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to talk some more draft, late-round prospects, top all-time Broncos drafts, 30-for-30 30 aired 30 tonight. We've, we've got so much to talk about. i, I got to stop talking right now so we can get right down to it. The Denver Broncos are heading into this draft season, and I've made the argument that they do not have a high-need anywhere across the roster they can live without drafting any position whatever the board however the board falls they can let it fall to them and they can take whatever player falls to them um, uh, but some people disagree with that uh, i've had a lot of good discourse a lot of good debates with some people in the comments saying that we absolutely need a defensive end to replace elvis Dumerville. Um ian henson what, what is your opinion on that
1: i think uh, we we ran a post today on mile high report kind of asking uh, the readers of Mal high Report who, whether they thought that Derek Wolf could switch over and take over Dumerville's former spot, whether Robert Ayers deserved uh, to, to a, a shot at it, leaving, you know, kind of taking over where he left off in 2011. He finished off 2011 pretty strong uh, with the playoff game against the Steelers and against the Patriots, if you guys remember. I think he had a sack, he had two sacks in the Steelers game uh, and then one in the Patriots game. And it ended up or, or and the third option was whether or not we should draft a tight a defensive end and just kind of cross our fingers and hope for the best or whether someone was currently on the roster that were that was maybe someone that we had forgotten about like Malik Jackson who we drafted uh late late in uh 2012's draft and the consensus was that Robert Ayers was you know deserved the shot and and I kind of agree it's just, it's a it's it's his contract season um, he's hasn't been given the opportunity to flat out start in you know two seasons really since Von Miller came on board Der- Derek Wolf took over the, the defensive end and t- basically took over all the time uh, he had just as many snaps as uh, doomerville so Ayers really hasn't been seen since that 2011 um, onslaught that he had in the playoffs Robert Ayers needs to take the opportunities that have
0: been given to. He, he has opportunities. He, he can choose to excel and earn that number one starting spot. We don't need to not draft a player to give him the opportunity to start. And I think if, if that's something he wants in his contract year, in his last year as a Denver Bronco, potentially, that whether or not we draft a player, whether or not we sign a player, um, that's going to be his opportunity either way. So to me, defensive end remains the strongest need on the Broncos roster. Uh, Christopher Hart, what do you think about that?
2: Uh, I would disagree with defensive end being the top need for the team. Certainly when you lose a guy like Elvis Dumerville, who's averaged about 10 sacks a season for us since he's been a Bronco, that's going to hurt. But, um, you know, I have faith in Robert Ayers and Malik Jackson, you know, being rotational guys on the right side of the line, you know, being able to man down that spot, but it's definitely a position that we should add some talent to in this draft. I don't necessarily think it has to be with our first rounder. I wouldn't be upset if it was, but I do feel good with Derek Wolf on the left side of the line. And I do think that Malik Jackson and Robert Ayers can be good players on the right side of the line. If you recall that uh, Jack Del Rio, when he was coaching the Jaguars had the opportunity to uh, get up close and personal with Robert Ayers down in mobile during the senior bowl and really raved about him. And I think that Robert Ayers is He's he's close in there, but he has been switched around from positions. He's played in a three, four scheme to a four, three scheme in Denver and even got moved around a lot when he was playing for the volunteers down in Tennessee so we'll just have to wait and see, but I definitely do think that you know getting an end would be something that would help our team because you can never have enough pass rushers. But uh, I just don't think it's the biggest name on the need on the team.
0: That's very interesting. I, I feel like I'm probably in the majority just from comments and different things I read here and there that there isn't a lot of faith in Robert Ayers, but both of you seem to have it, and I'll take that as, as a good sign. So, Christopher. What are some of the other positions that you see as a strong need for the Broncos as we head into the draft on Thursday?
2: I think the most important need for the team, and it's probably a minority opinion, would have to be inside linebacker. You know, John Elway and the Broncos brass have really been touting Stephen Johnson and Nate Irving as guys who can come in, you know, being a couple of years removed from school and actually make an impact. And while they may have been great collegiate players, that doesn't always translate into the NFL. And I really do think the Broncos need a three down Mike linebacker who can, you know, man that defense down and, you know, kind of be the Ray Lewis type of guy. This team's been missing for a long time. We haven't really had a great inside linebacker since Al Wilson.
0: That's really interesting, Christopher. Um, of course, huge Al Wilson fan. Love that spirit of the Broncos defense. Um, he's That presence has been missing from the Broncos ever since. Uh, but there's a point of view that I tend to subscribe to. That is that if the Broncos draft a three-down Mike linebacker, it might take us to the situation where we have to take another premium linebacker off the field on third downs, passing downs. I mean, if, you, if we follow the model we did last year, we had a pretty good defense last year, uh, then you're taking Wesley Woodyard off the field, aren't you?
2: No, not at all. Like you know, coming in when you see Wesley Woodyard in our you know passing packages, you know, a three down linebacker, you're going to have Wesley Woodyard out on the field in the weak side linebacker spot. You're going to have the Mike out there as well um, in pass coverage. And what you can do is you can actually kick Von Miller down from strong side linebacker and put him down on the line. You know, you know, like near the right defensive end spot, and then you can kick Derek Wolf in on passing downs where he actually got a majority of sacks rushing from the interior and basically bringing one of those bigger bodies off the field like Kevin Vickerson, you know, and just having, you know, two DTs out there with Von Miller playing that right defensive end spot and having a guy like Wesley Woodyard on the outside and that Mike linebacker also staying out there as well.
0: How much... Von Miller done that. He's had amazing success at his position in two years in the NFL. Are you sure we want to move him around like that?
2: Uh, he often, you know, in a lot of those fronts, came down and played with his hands down on the line. Um, actually, you know, I would venture to say that a majority of snaps seemed like, you know, you know, passing situations, he is that guy opposite of, you know, the recently departed Elvis Dumervil on the line. So I think it's, you know, something that we really don't have to worry about. And I really do believe that having a three down mic that can actually be there, you know, all the time is what's going to take this defense to the next level.
0: All right. With that in mind, you being one of our recent draft experts, uh, are there any prospects you see that might fit the Broncos pick at number 28 that could fit the middle linebacker spot?
2: Yeah, my favorite linebacker actually in this class is Alec Ogletree out of Georgia. He was a recently converted safety, so, you know, John Fox might be interested in a player like that because he actually took Thomas Davis out of Georgia, I think it was back in 2005, who actually played defensive back for them, but ended up playing a lot of linebacker for them and ended up being a pretty successful pro, but had his you know career kind of sidelined with multiple ACL tears. I think that Ogletree is definitely one of the most versatile prospects in this draft. He's a great run defender, he can defend the pass, and he can even rush the quarterback. He's one of those rare athletes who has the ability to play any linebacker spot on the field, and he goes out there with a lot of swagger. The really big concern with him maybe not being at 28 for us on our board is the fact that he was re- um, you know, arrested multiple times in college and actually got a DUI right before the combine. And it seems like that John Elway, John Fox, and the Broncos brass seem to really be on high-character guys. So someone who has those off-the-field concerns might be a little bit concerning for the team. So I'm kind of considering him not to really be an option for us. But if we had to go with somebody else, you know, there's a couple other guys out there. I really, really, really like Arthur Brown out of Kansas State. He transferred from Miami because he wasn't really getting a lot of playing time but really came into his own the last two years he's a guy who can play inside linebacker or weak side linebacker he's extremely athletic he's very good against the pass and he's a good downhill player the only concern i really have with him is his playing weight and his ability to shed blocks but i think playing in the scheme that jack del rio runs that has a lot of big bodies on the front line with big vic um you know um, Terrence Knight, and we recently signed and having Derek Wolf there, that's going to give us a lot of beef up front to let him lo- roam around and do what he does best. And of course you got man. Titeo, who is a highly productive linebacker, you know, the whole drama that surrounds him, Um, with the whole boyfriend thing just really doesn't bother me that much when you put on the tape this guy's an electric playmaker he plays downfield really well there's not many mike linebackers in college football who are going to come away with seven interceptions in a season and if he's not there you know you can consider a guy like kevin minter from lsu he's one of the best run defenders in this class he can also play all three downs Um, And I just think that the Broncos have a lot of guys to choose from at 28. And I really feel that several of those guys will be there. So it's a possibility that we could take one of those guys or even trade down. But I think this is a really, really good class for Mike linebackers. And I think that the Broncos will have their shot at getting the player they like most if they're interested.
0: That's really interesting that you find that the the biggest need. Uh, Thanks a lot for that, Christopher. Ian, what is your take on Manti Teo? Is he a fit for the Broncos? Have we seen too much? Tim Tebow media craziness and Peyton Manning media craziness to deal with yet another offseason of being the story of the NFL.
1: Well, I don't know that Teo would be anything beyond, you know, just a week one mention for that, you know, the, the craziness that, that that followed him towards the end of his college career. It's he doesn't have it a has broken, died down. Excuse me. Sorry, it has died down. Right? Yeah, yeah, and I think that when you're talking. Uh, Peyton Manning or Tim Tebow; these are nations that are following them. You know, Notre Dame has a huge fan base, but Tebow has a fan base. You know, Tebow has a fan base that's separate from the Florida Gators fan base, as did Peyton Manning has a, has a fan base that's separate from, you know, the Tennessee fan base or the Colts fan base. So you're bringing those. It's not comparable uh, to to a player like Monteteo who just had kind of the controversy, and. I feel like when Elway talked about him, he it it was nothing. You know, it's like guy may have may or may not have made a mistake, and you know, would be more than happy to have a player like that on our team or a kid like that on our team. Awesome, yeah. I think uh,
0: the idea of Manti Te'o excites me a little bit. He's he's got that leadership aspect to it. He's, he's I agree. He's a, he's a guy who could be a potential fit for the Broncos. Give us a leadership role that we might have been missing since Allison. But I'd really like to take a minute here and break down the defensive ends uh, that are going to be available or or potentially available for the Broncos at the 28th overall pick. Um, There are a handful of them, and there are two of them from the same team, Florida State. we got Tank Carradine, who's been the most commonly linked two-player for the Broncos. You go to the milehighreport.com mock draft, uh, Denver Broncos mock draft database, and he's the number one guy. It's like 15 out of the 50 Something close to that of uh, the mock drafts that picked him to the Broncos. And this is a guy who some say, if he hadn't gotten injured, could have been a top 15, top five pick uh, this year. Christopher, what's your take on Tank Carradine?
2: Uh, he's one of my favorite defensive ends in this draft. I'm a huge Florida State fan. I've got to see him play a lot. You know, in 2011, he backed up uh, Brandon Jenkins, who was manning down the right defensive end spot. And in 2012, he was going to back him up again. But uh, Jenkins went out with a Liz Frank injury in the first game against Murray State. In the next 12 games, uh, uh, Tank took over for him, and he played absolutely phenomenal. He had 80 tackles this year. He had 13 for loss and 11 sacks. He's a guy who can get after the quarterback. He doesn't have an elite first step, but he has a great pass rushing repertoire he can get after the quarterback and he can make a lot of plays against the run in the pass. I think he'd be an absolutely fantastic pick for the Denver Broncos at 28, but I'm one of the few people who might think that he's going to go in the top 20 in this draft. So I really think if the Broncos want a guy like Carradine, they're going to have to move up and trade up for him because I really think that after you know blowing up his pro day, running a 4.75 just six months after an ACL tear, he's you know pass rushers like him are a premium in this league and teams are going to be really, really interested in what he can do i think he would be an absolutely phenomenal fit for the team i just think that he's going to go a little bit higher than most expect but he would be in a welcomed addition for the team and he would really really be a great player for us
0: how insane was that four seven five forty time he broke his knee last week that was crazy that was ridiculous to hear about um and i agree I mean, i'm excited about him as a prospect having heard about that workout and maybe our excitement like you said is going to propagate to other teams who are then going to get excited and jump on him. Um, What about his teammate there, John Werner? How high are you on him?
2: You know, I'm really high on him too, but I really think that in the NFL, he's going to be best suited to be a left defensive end, kind of like the role that we have with Derek Wolf right now. You know, this year he had a great season. You know, he had 18 tackles for loss, and he also had 13 sacks, which is more than tank. But if you look at the tape, three games he had seven and a half sacks, So he's not as nearly as consistent as a pass rusher, but he is a great run defender. Um, I just don't see him being one of those guys who's going to be an elite pass rusher in the NFL. I think you're looking at more of a Kyle Vandenbosch-type player with Warner, and you're going to get a guy who's going to probably get six to eight sacks a year, who's going to offer a lot more in base run defense than anything else. And I really think that his best fits at left defensive end. But, uh, you know, if he's there that late in the first round at 28. I think he's probably going to be one of the best players available, but I just don't think that he falls that far either. But, you know, he definitely you can hope for someone like that because he has a lot of potential. He's a hardworking guy, high-character guy. You know, I mean, came over here from Germany, and he's relatively new to football, but he absolutely dominated the you know ACC college football, the three years that he was with the Seminoles So again, he would be a great pick for the team, but I just don't think that he's going to offer much more than what Derek Wolf's going to give for us right now. So if I had to pick between two of them, I'd definitely take Tank over him if they were both on the board at number 28.
0: That's surprising to me, honestly. Um, and I haven't done the depth of research you have. I'm not, not a huge college football fan. I, I get my college football scouting done mostly two months before the draft. Um, but from everything I've heard, Werner is the guy who's been productive. He's been the starter. He's the guy who got 13 sacks last year just by simply beating his man. They weren't off a blitz. They weren't off any scheme packages. He's, he's just consistent. He's been the guy with the Seminoles. Um, don't you think that would possibly speak to him having a higher grade than Carradine, or is Carradine's last year that impressive to you?
2: Uh, I really just think that Tank's last year was that impressive to me. Um, You know, a lot of people say, well, he was a backup to Brandon Jenkins and he came from junior college. So how could he possibly be as good? But, you know, you know, 80 tackles this year, double what Warner had, you know, uh, a recent statistic came out. I believe it was from Pro Football Focus that said that Tank Carradine was in on a play for either a tackle for loss or a sack every four point five snaps in college football this year, which is absolutely unbelievable. If we can get a guy that can replace Elvis Dumerville, which Tank obviously could. He's a much better run defender than Elvis ever has been and probably ever will be, and give us that kind of pass rush, that's going to be absolutely lethal for defenses to stop. I mean, Von Miller on the outside, you know, I expect big things out of Derek Wolf this year and a guy like Tank that it, it would just put this defense over the top.
0: I've got to admit, you got me salivating here, Christopher. Is, is he worth trading up? I mean, uh, is this to the point? You said that the need isn't the greatest, that maybe middle linebacker is a greater need. So are you comfortable letting the chips fall where they may? Or do you think the Broncos, if they can get someone who's willing to trade down ahead of them, where they would trade up, carrying is, is he worth it?
2: I think he's worth it, but I don't think that the Broncos are really in a position here to be more picks to go up for a pass rusher in this draft. I think this draft is about eight to 10 guys deep and players who can offer the Broncos something in the pass rush department to help replace Elvis Dumerville and since I don't think it's the greatest need I'd rather wait us uh let us see what happens let the chips fall as they may and see who's there at 28 you know I might think that tank's going to go in the top 20 but you never know teams might be concerned with that knee injury still and he could be there but I'd rather wait and see with the Broncos and you know let them see who's going to be there at 28 rather than trade up.
0: It's going to be exciting. There are a number of positions they could address. Another one being cornerback. We've got Cham Bailey uh, out there. He's 35, going to be 36 here in a year. Um, and that kind of seems to be the magical age in the NFL, at that 36th year, where you're not sure if they can keep going on the defense. Um, we got up-and-comer Chris Harris. I'm a huge Chris Harris fan, just absolutely huge. I, I think he could be a star in this league, and that we'll be trying to sign him to a long-term deal here in the next year or two. But outside of those two, it's not clear that the Broncos have a plan long-term at cornerback. Um, do you see a potential fit in the draft? Uh, do you see that as a need this year getting into the draft? And if you do, who do you see filling in that role?
2: I definitely think that cornerback's a need for this team. As you mentioned, Bailey Bailey's 35, 36 years old. Obviously, he's still a phenomenal player, but this is in 2006 where he's picking off 910 balls and Chris Harris is a great player. I think he's going to be an absolutely phenomenal player in this league, but he'll be a free agent after this season. We did sign Dominique Rogers from who's who has ups and downs in the league, but he profiles more as a number two guy in the NFL. And based on what I know, his deal might have been two years, but it's really only one because the contract couldn't be voided to basically spread the cap hit out over the next couple of years. And we also do have um, Tony Carter, who was also a Florida State Seminole, but he's really a guy who's not going to profile as a starter in this league. He's more of a nickel back, dime back, someone who's going to come in reserve packages. And we did draft Omar Bold in the fourth round last year, but basically was relegated to special teams duty this year. But I do think that the Broncos, if they want to be serious about keeping the defense strong in the long term, would be really wise to look into this draft and get a corner. And I think that this draft has great prospects, especially in the first rounds, uh, the Two guys I think that would be tremendous fits for the Broncos in the first round would be Xavier Rhodes out of Florida State and Desmond Trufant out of Washington. They're both really great press man corners who are very aggressive, have tremendous ball skills, can make plays on the quarterback, and do really have the size and speed that teams are looking for in the NFL to be able to you know match up against some of those spread offenses with three and four wide receiver sets out there. And I've, I had to choose between Rhodes and Trufant. I would pick Rhodes, but I would be absolutely pleased with either of them at twenty-eight.
1: I like the depth with corner later on in the draft. I mean, David Emerson from NC State, Broderick Brown from Oklahoma State. Like, not that they're going to be available late in the round, late in any round, but um, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, depth at corner as well as like defensive tackle and defensive end. I think that's why the Broncos, you could see them trading back if if someone's willing to do that, or you just see them kind of not really worrying about need at a position and just saying, okay, this is the best player available. Let's see what we can do with him. One interesting story about Omar Bolden is, um, I think it was prior to the Ravens playoff game. He was, uh, and it was John Elway that reiterated this story to the public. Bolden kind of came to uh, Elway and uh, Fox and said, I'm going to take, I'm going to take one of these guys jobs. And since then, Elway's just kind of carried him on it. You know, as far as every off season interview, elway figures out a way to mention omar bolden somehow
2: definitely a lot of people were saying before you know he had his acl injury at arizona state that this was a guy who could have went in the top 50 picks in the draft and you know it seemed like elway and john fox have spoken really highly of him and thought that he was definitely worth going up there and getting in the fourth round and you know I think he has a lot of potential in this league, but I just don't see any cornerbacks, including him, on our team that can be a true number one guy moving forward. And I think that this draft, as you said, is very deep at the cornerback position. But after D. Milliner, Xavier Rhodes, and Desmond Trufant, you're looking at more number two guys. Who, you know, some guys I have in mind are Jamar Taylor, uh, Robert Alford out of Southeastern Louisiana, and you had mentioned David Amerson. I think he's a good prospect, but I'm a little A little cold on him. He really did a lot of freelancing this year and actually got called out by his coach this year. And I think he profiles best more as a ball hawking free safety. One of the guys who I think is going to be a tremendous sleeper in this draft is going to be Jordan Poyer out of Oregon State. He has great size and very good speed. He's really aggressive. And I think that, you know, a second round pick, a third round pick, he could be there and really help out this Broncos defense. But as you said, Ian, this draft is absolutely loaded with corners, and the Broncos might be more apt to take the best player available rather than, you know, press and even think that they need to replace Champ Bailey immediately when they already have... You know, Chris Harrison-Champ, who are obviously quality corners, two of the top ten graded out in the league last year, and adding a guy like Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie, who has Pro Bowl experience in the past, and really if he steps his game up and mentally puts it together, could make this defense phenomenal. But you can never have too many good corners in this league. God forbid anything happens to the guys we have, but I think, you know, with the league trending more towards the passing league, that getting a cornerback in this crop of classes would be something that the Broncos would be very wise to do.
1: Well, you kind of touched on it a second ago with the safety uh, issue. I, 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 we do have news that you know, Carter, Quentin Carter is going to be cleared of, of any wrongdoing in, in connection with his arrest in Las Vegas. And Raheem Moore, I'm just not on board with the people who blame him for that. That pat's going over his head. You know, it's 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 a team thing at best. It was half his fault. You know, you could blame Tony Carter for not bumping him at the line or giving him eight yard cushion and then just letting Jacoby Jones blow right by him. But there are some safeties that I think would be, you know, there's there's like the big guy, big names like the Kenny Vaccaro who could possibly be available. But then there's also T.J. McDonald from USC, Bakari Rambo from Georgia, um, Eric Reed from LSU. A lot of people think that he'll be available a little bit later. Any one of those guys would be would be a great addition. Uh, and then there's like, uh, what's his name from LSU? The uh, he's going to be available in like the the corner. He's going to be available like third or fourth round just because he's such a head case yeah
2: teron matthew he's an absolutely phenomenal player i mean the guy not only can man down and man coverage or zone coverage but he's an absolute terror on special teams taking punts to the house kick returns to the house you know i think he'd be an absolutely phenomenal selection for the broncos even in the second round but you know it seems like we're a team that's looking for high character guys and you just never know can the broncos really risk a second round pick on a guy who could possibly get suspended but i, I, I agree absolutely
1: with- agree but you have you know you have uh uh, the Rams took a chance on uh, – why am I blanking on so many people's names right now? The corner. Yes, turned out perfectly for him. Uh, Bonta, the guy from Arizona State, the linebacker that didn't get drafted at all, and they got picked up as perfect. Yep. <laughs> That's why you're on the show, Chris. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, both of those guys, high character concerns. Both of them turned out fine so far in the NFL. Uh, there was that, that – that, um, curfew violation um, that happened late in the Rams season, but other than that, those guys are I would love to have them on my team. They would have made the Broncos better last year. Definitely. And you mentioned some
2: other safeties, but a couple guys that I'm really high on that you didn't mention would be Jonathan Cyprin out of Florida International I think he profiles more as a strong safety in the NFL he doesn't really have that elite speed and athleticism to be able to play in one deep coverage deep as a free safety in the NFL but he's an aggressive guy he can play down in the box he can get after the run and he would be a great selection for the team I've read rumors that he could go as high as the first round now after being considered a second to third round guy prior to the senior bowl and combine But one of my absolute favorite prospects in this draft, who I think is a must-have for the Denver Broncos, is DJ DJ Swearinger out of South Carolina. Um, He's played every position in the defensive backfield for the Gamecocks. He plays with unparalleled intensity. He's extremely versatile. He has uh, good speed. He can play strong safety. He can play cornerback if need be. And I really think that the Broncos need a guy. You know, opposite of Raheem Moore and Quentin Carter and Mike Adams and David Bruton to really, you know, get this defense going.
0: That's excellent stuff. A lot of great names there. A lot of safeties and defensive players. And we're gonna we're gonna come back and talk a little bit about running backs, uh, talk about some yeah. round prospects, uh, something the Broncos can expect to target positions, players in rounds two, three, and even later. And Christopher Hart's gonna help us. Christopher Hart is gonna help us out with that. But in the meantime, ask you guys these questions. We've We've given all these names out about this first round pick, this 20th overall pick. Every year I find myself hoping the same thing. I, I, I tend to just fall in love with a couple of guys. I hope that they're there when the Broncos pick. And this year those two guys are probably Tank Carradine and Desmond Trufant. And I've got to ask each of you, if you've got one or two names that you're hoping will be there, and just pick one, maybe two, at 20th overall, who are you hoping is there? Christopher.
2: Uh, definitely Xavier Rhodes out of Florida State. Watch a lot of tape on this guy absolutely phenomenal size, makes a lot of plays on the ball. Think he can be that number one guy who can replace chant Bailey down the road and if he was there at twenty eight I'm running up to the podium and I'm screaming his name and if it wasn't him, the guy I would probably tank would uh, would take would be his teammate tank Aradine. he's an absolutely phenomenal player. think he's going to be a guy who has all pro potential in the NFL. He's going to be a guy who's going to consistently get ten sacks a year and really help out this defense. And with the void left with Elvis Dumerville going to the Ravens, I think he would be an absolutely phenomenal selection for us. So if I had to take two guys, it would definitely be Xavier Rhodes or Tank Carradine at twenty-eight.
1: My guy, would be, yeah, my guy would be—he's not going to be available. But if like Tavon Austin was available that late, in the, I would have to take him. Or this one's more likely. But they're both wide receivers: Robert Woods from USC. Uh, just because I don't see, we're going to lose someone somewhere. Whether it's Wes Welker two years from now, Decker's a free agent at the end of the season. Who is the fourth Broncos wide receiver? And who? They, God forbid, there's you know, knock on wood, there's an injury. Who's the third Broncos wide receiver at that point? There's just there's just no depth there. And 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 the Broncos are awarded uh, the luxury of of letting someone sit, kind of like the Forty ers did last season, letting someone sit, develop, figure out the offense, work with Brock Osweiler and and step in when, when need be. All right. Excellent. Thank you, guys.
0: There's some great names. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Denver Broncos 2013 schedule. We're going to talk about the tough games and our favorite games. And then we're going to come right back around and talk some more draft. We're going to talk running backs. This is a passing league, as, as was mentioned. It being a passing league, maybe running back isn't something you draft in the first round anymore these days. But in the second and third round, Uh, There's depth to be had. We'll break that down. You're listening to MHR Radio, the official podcast of MileHighReport.com, and the return of the greatest Denver Broncos podcast in the universe. Nice. We spent the first good portion of this talking the first round of, of the 2013 NFL Draft. But now we're going to look even further ahead. The 2013 schedule was released last week. And I've written a couple of times on Mile High Report. It's like a holiday for us Broncos fans. As hardcore fans look forward to schedule release day almost as much as we look forward to the draft. And now that the schedule's been released, we've seen which primetime games we got, which ones we didn't, uh, the order, the long road trips, the, the stretch and schedule of things to come, and you know what? This schedule—I mean, far be it for me to say—it it kind of feels like a cakewalk a little bit. This, this
1: is there's no real tough part of this schedule. Do you guys agree, Ian? I, I think right before the buy is going to be pretty trying. Um, Just just for personal uh, reasons, you know, personal reasons to the Broncos themselves. You look at Jacksonville, which Jacksonville has has the Broncos number. Now you add Jack Del Rio into the fold, and, you know, it's got to be the teacher's better than the student type uh, moment. And then you definitely have that moment the the next week in Week 7 where you have Peyton and the Broncos going to Indianapolis and playing Andrew Luck. And then follow that up with Mike Shanahan and RG3, Coming to Denver. This is Shanahan's first game back as a coach. Um, you know, it's, it, there's been enough time in between that maybe the blood's not quite as bad, but, but Shanahan never lost that passion for hitting the Raiders. <laughs> you know so so and now the broncos are kind of not in the same boat as the raiders but but the broncos did fire shanahan um the broncos I, as far as i know done, didn't end up owing him a large amount of money when they fired him but um it's still it's still a, a, you know the first time that shanahan's going to get to face the broncos as a head coach I mean, they it, was had a, a fight.
0: it was a good split i mean the a good position that shanahan had i don't think there's a lot of bad blood there but everybody you want you want to look hot for your ex girlfriend you want to look hot for your ex Mike Shanahan wants to kick our ass and we want to kick his too. I mean, we we just want to look good to them, you know, and it's going to be a good game quickly. Let's run down the whole schedule here before we get too in depth again. um, We're getting too into detail about each stretch. uh, I love that stretch too, but let's talk about week one, Baltimore Ravens. Everybody was hoping we'd get this game. Revenge comes early for the Broncos comes right away. Christopher, how excited are you to beat the Ravens in week one?
2: We have to beat the Ravens week one. I mean, if we lose to the ravens uh i'll be extraordinarily upset we just have to learn from our mistakes from last year this is an absolutely phenomenal game you know we lost to the ravens you know in the divisional game last year but what makes it even more exciting is the fact that ryan clady going to get absolutely get to own elvis Dumerville, get a little revenge there too i think it's really important that we start the season off on a high note because as you guys mentioned earlier First part of the schedule is a little bit harder than the second half. And, you know, we have the game against the Ravens, and we go on and on and on to other teams. But excited for that game. Couldn't ask for a better game to open up on Thursday, September 5th. Really looking forward to it. Just really hoping that we can start the season off on a high note and come out with a victory.
0: Oh, I cannot wait to see Ryan Clady and Elvis Dumervil. Thank you for pointing that. Out. I've watched four or five Broncos training camps now between these two guys, and watching them square off is always a highlight of camp for me. Now I get to see it for real. This is going to be insane. Then the next week we got the New York Giants at New York Manning Bowl three. Ian Henson, New York. New York is your, your town. If Denver's not your town, uh, <laughs> you, how how stoked are you for the Manning Bowl three?
1: I'm I'm excited for several reasons. One, I I was kind of hoping the New York game would be because we knew we were going to New York. I was hoping it would be a little bit later in the season, uh, hopefully like as deep in December as possible. But just the the you know that's where the Super Bowl is going to be this year. So it would be nice to be like okay you know we can return back in five weeks and hopefully the temperatures similar. You know here's the, here's your little test. But they they put this game right at the beginning of the season, um, and it's 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 Eli and Peyton probably for the last time that they'll ever play against each other unless, you know, both these teams can make it to the Super Bowl sometime in the next two years. Let's have two maining bulls this year. I'd be down for that. What about you guys? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why not?
0: Week, week, week three, we got the Oakland Raiders at home, Monday night football. That's, I think it's one of the two primetime games the Raiders have, the other being the Thanksgiving game. We'll get to that. Um, That's always a good game. Raiders seem to rise to the occasion in recent years when it comes to primetime football. That one should be fun. Philadelphia Eagles, next week at home. Chip Kelly, that offense. Christopher, are you excited for the Philadelphia Eagles game?
2: Yeah, that's a really interesting matchup. You know, they have a lot of weapons on offense. LaShawn McCoy, they got Jeremy Macklin, Deshaun Jackson. That's a lot of speed. Uh, you just really don't know what chip kelly is necessarily going to do if he's going to do anything gimmicky like he did at oregon you're going to see a lot of speed on the field and i honestly think despite their 4 and 12 record last season that could be one of the hardest games for the broncos this year and it could be one of those upset losses for us so i really hope the broncos bring their a game against the eagles because you know even though that team's defense was terrible last year that offense can be explosive and uh, there's just a lot to be excited for there's going to be a lot of exciting players on the field of that game and i expect a lot of points to be scored
0: i agree the eagles is a big wild card on our schedule it's going to be hard to predict what that game looks like at this point uh, we'll probably know more a week or two and that's about it before the game actually happens in oakland philly which one of those two games are you looking forward to
1: it's it's hard to call Oakland any type of game to be looking forward to right now. It's, there's the rivalry still there, but until they figure their stuff out, it's going to be tough. But there are wild card. I mean, Matt Flynn's coming in at quarterback, so who knows?
0: That's a good point. I mean, Monday night football—that's what draws the allure for week three for me. We the Broncos have played Monday night football in, in so many consecutive seasons. It's good that they're they're back on that prime platform. Uh, week five. Is probably my most disappointing game of the entire schedule. It's at the Dallas Cowboys in Week Five, October sixth. It's disappointing because it's not the Thanksgiving game. Did anybody coming? I thought it was just a given that we were going to be playing the Cowboys for Thanksgiving.
1: It, yeah, it was between us and the Raiders. It seems like there was maybe a little uh, lobbying going on, uh, so that Dallas had a had a had a simpler home game for Thanksgiving. Um, that's the only thing I could really chalk it up to. It doesn't it doesn't make sense that we're not playing them on Thanksgiving other than the fact that maybe Jerry Jones was like, hey, give us a shot at winning the game for Thanksgiving.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was really hoping that we'd play Dallas on Thanksgiving again because I just have fond memories of Ron Dane just running them over.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah,
2: I mean, I hate the Cowboys. Tony Romo, just the Cowboys is just a bad team. You can't root for a team like that.
0: I agree. We'll watch to get into some other year.
1: The one thing that deserves to be pointed out is that Peyton Manning's only played the Dallas Cowboys four times in his career, and of those four times he's only won twice. So he's two and two against the Cowboys. So it's not like a one of those teams that Peyton Manning necessarily owns. He's 500 against the Dallas Cowboys in history.
0: Great point. Uh, week 6, we're getting into the stretch that Ian already mentioned a little bit. Uh, so I'm going to run through it pretty quickly here. Week six, we've got Jacksonville Jaguars at home. Then at the Indianapolis Colts. Week eight, Mike Shanahan's return, Washington Redskins. Let's take a minute to talk about the Indianapolis Colts game in Indy. Sunday night football on NBC, one of the primetime games. This is what NFL.com, I think they call it the biggest game of the year. For the NFL, this just might be. This is Peyton Manning's return to Indianapolis. Um, how special do you think that's going to be, Ian?
1: It, yeah, it's going to be off the off the charts. Um, again, it might be the last time that he gets to play in Indianapolis. Um, I don't see them getting a you know a home game this season in the playoffs over the Broncos. So, uh, and they're not going to play next season. Well, they could play next season, but it be it would be in Denver if it were on the schedule. Uh, it, it's it's going to be probably one of the biggest games of all time as far as ratings go.
0: Christopher, do you see Andrew Luck rising to that occasion? The you know, student beating the math He was never a student, but the replacement.
2: Um, you know, just... any given Sunday, anything could happen. Andrew Luck's a phenomenal player. They did a great job last year, adding some good players to their offense. Vic Ballard showed up. T. Y. Hilton showed up. They got uh, Dwayne Allen at tight end. They have an explosive offense. They need a little help on defense. They lost a couple of guys in free agency. Uh, Philip Wheeler is not going to be there anymore. Uh, You know, just any time you have a game like this with all the aura surrounding it, you know, you had Peyton Manning played there for 14 years, basically made that franchise relevant again. So, you know, I don't think that there's obviously going to be any bad blood there, but it's just going to be an extremely emotional game for Colts fans and Peyton Manning. And it's just, you know, something that the whole NFL fan, you know, fan base is going to look forward to. So, extraordinarily excited about that game.
0: I've always been surprised that there hasn't been more bad blood from the Colts to the Broncos john la i think there was for a while there um, and the way that all went down and now Peyton Manning, it's just uh, i it's just weird the way that all worked out we've got two hall of fame quarterbacks one at the beginning of his career one at the end of his career from the colts uh, thank you mr <laughs> You know,
2: broncos fans probably should really like this game because after all the years that peyton manning took us out of the playoffs early like I still have nightmares of Rock Alexander getting torched for four touchdowns in the first half like five or six years ago. Like that was depressing. I don't think I I've ever race. seen him played by a cornerback in my entire life, which is
1: why I Rock
0: Alexander so – erased that name from my memory, from my ability to hear it. There was a big blank space where you said something about four touchdowns. I don't know what you're talking about because <laughs> I just <laughs>
1: – I'm sorry. He meant and him blacked himself.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, just, I don't even know what you're talking about. Week nine, we got the bye, perfect bye week, right in the middle of the season. Uh, hopefully, we can come back healthy and nursing injuries we got going on. Um, then we go into a lot of division games. We only played division game before the bye, and we have got the rest of them after that. Five of our last eight games are in, are within the division. At San Diego Chargers, uh, we got remember that we were down twenty-four to nothing in San Diego last year. Um, it's, it's you never know what to expect from the Chargers. They're a little bit of a wild card team too. Maybe Philip Rivers. Has a resurgence this year and gets back to his former form. Then we've got the Kansas City Chiefs at home, Week 11. Then Sunday, November 24th, at New England Patriots. Sunday night football on NBC. This is—if if the Baltimore Ravens game isn't the game of the year, maybe it's too early, and maybe the Ravens have hadn't had the best offseason. I think this one is at New England Patriots. Christopher, break down this game for me. What, what do you see? How do you see the Broncos? overcoming the Patriots finally this
2: year? Uh, we're just going to have to torch that poor pass defense that they have. Uh, you know, adding West Welker in the mix, that's going to be a tremendous game for him. You know, he's going to be out there to prove that he was worth more money than they were offering. You know, having Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker out there lining up three wide against the Patriots defense who really struggled against the pass last year is something that I expect us to do a lot. I think it's going to be another one of those high-scoring games. You can never count Tom Brady out, just one of the all-time greats. But I think it's going to be a really special game, and I really hope that the Broncos bring their A game because that's a must-win game for the team. You know, it's getting towards the end of the season. We have a lot of divisional games, but it's really important that we get a quality victory against a really good team, you know, as the playoff stretch runs on. So really looking forward to that one.
0: I am too, and I agree totally. Ian break down this game for me what do you see taking place on t- sunday november 24th
1: i would much rather see the broncos lose that one and win the playoffs uh again, game that's inevitably coming against them uh but yeah they've had our number since since josh daniels has been off the off the broncos coaching staff we haven't been able to to pull the trigger whether it was tebow or manning or you know, they just have our number. Um, back when we had Shanahan, it seemed like the Broncos would would win against Patriots. But since since Shanahan and McDaniel's are gone, Fox hasn't been able to do it. And it's just because, I mean, it goes back to like that killer instinct. And and maybe Wes Welker will bring that on, just being having returned to his hometown and or his home stadium. And he's gonna have the crowd behind him. At least Wes Welker will. But the Peyton-Brady thing, it's not going to happen for very many more years. So I'm really looking forward to this game as well.
0: There's all elements of addition by subtraction. We took away Wes Welker from the Patriots. I mean, he's going to be amped. He's going to be ready to play. He's going to be greeted like – I think he's going to be greeted like – I don't know. I think they might hate him. I was going to say he was going to be greeted like a, like a prince in New England, but I think there might be some bad blood there between the fans and Wilker. I'm not sure. I'm not a <laughs> Patriots fan. But, uh, but we took that man away from the Patriots offense been the uncoverable element between he and Gronkowski in the last two, three years. Those two have just torched the Broncos. Um, so now that he's on our side, I, I'm coming in quite more confident than I have in years past, cautiously optimistic uh, that we can come away with a W um, and take a hold
1: of the AFC. What are the chances that is going to be not have broken his arm again by that point in the season as well? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not going to count on that injury happening Prepare for the worst or prepare for the best, uh, but it's a good point. They they are pretty hammered uh, right now, injury wise. This is the first half of what I consider the toughest two week stretch, if not weeks one and two. Then these two weeks, then we're at the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'd like to take them in to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. They're drafting first overall. see the Kansas City Chiefs as the biggest threat to the Broncos in the AFC West, most likely to land number two. Do you guys agree with that? And do you guys see this as the toughest game on the schedule?
1: Ian? They're, they're definitely, they, they have been talented. They just haven't been able to get it together. Uh, you know, they're they they were they're one quarterback away from being the second best team in the AFC West, if not, you know, being able to compete directly with the Broncos. They had it with Kyle Orton. I don't know why they let him go because all they needed was a serviceable quarterback who didn't throw interceptions. And that's exactly what they get in Alex Smith is a quarterback who doesn't make mistakes. They have uh, Jamal Charles. They have uh, Dwayne Bow. They have, they have a, like a pretty electric offense. And their defense, they've been picking at the top of the draft for – I don't know. With, with the exception of one season, it's been like ten seasons that they've just been taking these great defensive players in in at the top of the draft. So it's it's only a matter of of time before they they become good.
0: Christopher, how do you, how do you see this game playing out in, in Arrowhead?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think we'll come out with the win, but it's definitely one of those trap games, you know. Andy Reid going there and getting a guy like Alex Smith, who's really a better quarterback than advertised. He has pretty good intermediate accuracy, and he's also extremely mobile. Um, I think he could be a threat with what Andy Reid wants to do. You know, as Ian mentioned, they have Dwayne Bowe, who's a phenomenal receiver. Jamal Charles, who's a threat to take it to the house every time. But then you got players on their defense they added sean smith they have a pro bowler and justin houston who's an absolute tear and was the only guy to beat ron clady for a sack last year and they have eric berry who's one of the better young safeties in the league they drafted don terry poe last year and they got some other guys on the line like tyson jackson who was a highly touted pick you know that team you know has a lot of good players and really all they need is a good you know good coach and a good structure there to get things going and you know the Chiefs. You know they two and fourteen, picking number one. But that's a, definitely would agree with the idea that they're our biggest threat in the AFC West. But I see the Broncos coming out with a victory there, even though that we've had a, a tough time beating
0: them. Not to mention there's this X factor. That game is being played in Arrowhead on Sunday, December first. Right. A, ter- a terrible record in Arrowhead in December. Uh, that game is one to circle under calendars as a tough one. So that two-game stretch at New England and Kansas City—that's the, that's the toughest part of the Broncos' schedule. Um, there are four games left on the schedule. for First to break down, um, kind of lightweight in comparison to those two. We have the Tennessee Titans at home, San Diego Chargers at home. Um, then we're in Week 16, second to last week of the season. By this time, the Broncos, optimistically, not—we're I mean, we're hoping that we're wrapping up a top seed. In the playoffs that maybe we're starting to even consider resting peyton manning that kind of thing but we're playing at the houston texans at the oakland raiders how do you guys see these last four games breaking down christopher
2: well you know i see you know the game at home against the titans think will be a win quarterback situation there's a little shaky uh Chris Johnson always a dynamic guy but they really really don't have anyone on defense that really sticks out that can really stop the Manning led Broncos San Diego Chargers you know we have them at home I think that's going to be another win seem to do pretty good against them at home I think we'll take care of business there Texans game is a game that's a possibility for a loss Texans are an extremely well coached team under Gary Kubiak have a lot of weapons on offense so that's going to be an interesting game towards the end of December and obviously we end the season at oakland and I have nothing good to say about oakland but i think that's going to be a nice one so i think that we can definitely win three of those games can't say that they're sure ins because anything can happen but i feel confident that in the last quarter of the season that we'll be able to take care of business and come away with three victories at the very least but i think that we do have a good shot when we do play the
1: texans on the 22nd
0: i agree ian what's your take from those four
1: games yeah, the, the, is if, if Peyton Manning's still playing, if, you know, if we're still playing Peyton in week 16, Houston is, you know, that's the stadium that Peyton built. He's lost to the Texans three times in his entire career. Yeah, they got us last season, but they only beat us by three points. It uh, and, and it was one of those games where, you know, had we had two more minutes in the game, we probably would have won either way. Uh, I don't see it much of a challenge here. Short of anything that just, is just unforeseen, like a major injury to you know, someone, uh, you know, like Peyton Manning or something, where we're just not able to to field the, the team that we currently have.
0: I agree with all that. You know, injuries, notwithstanding predictions, you can never predict the NFL. That's what's so great about it. Uh, but definitely see that it's kind of a little bit of a easier end of the schedule. I, I find it fascinating that we've got the Raiders in week. 17. We've got the Raiders earlier in week three. Um, that could be just two completely different games with possibly two different quarterbacks for the Raiders, two different situations. Um, and then the other division games are just clustered together. We've got the San Diego Chargers in weeks 10 and 15. We've got the Chiefs in weeks 11 and 13. It's an interesting dynamic the makers gave uh, for the AFC West this year.
1: Yeah, it's like you- at the beginning of last season, we had we had that three game stretch um, following week one, where it just seemed like you know we couldn't we were we looked like a bad team. We we were one and, or two and three I think coming out of the first five weeks. Here it looks like we're more set up to go on a late season run, um, where we're kind of we could go you know have six games in a row where we win or, or five games in a row where we win.
0: So what are your guys favorite games? Um, I'm gonna go ahead and throw my favorite game out there is the Baltimore Ravens game. Week one. I won't revenge so bad I I can hardly stand it. Um, And so I am just got September 5th, that Thursday, circled on my calendar. I'm hoping to be there at the Denver game. If not in the press box covering the game, uh, then in the stands. I'm on on, on fire for that game right this minute. Um, Christopher, what, what game are you most looking forward to?
2: Oh, it's definitely the Redskins game when Shanahan uh, returns October 27th. You know, Really? Definitely. It's just going to be an emotional time. Like anyone, you know, Broncos fans, are, for the most part, have really fond memories of what Mike did for the team. You know, he was a guy who helped us get those two Super Bowls. You know, RG3 is coming to Denver, Alfred Morris. You know, it's just going to be a great time, and it's going to be absolutely weird to see Shanahan coaching from the opposite sideline. And you know, it's one of those games that's going to be highly emotional for a lot of people. You know, there's still some players that might help coach here. You know, champs here, he was he was the guy who went and got Champ from the Redskins all those years ago. And you know, that's the thing. Right? How many times has Champ actually played the Redskins since he came to Denver? I don't know. Maybe just once or twice. So, kind of be you know a matchup that way. And. Just something I'm looking forward to seeing. Definitely planning on being in Denver for that game. It's something I really don't want to miss. So really excited about that game.
1: Yeah, both of them. both of those weeks, week seven and week eight, it's it's, it's Michael Jordan versus Kobe Bryant. You know, uh, Andrew Luck week seven, and you got RG three week eight. That is, that is a good point. I, I hadn't noticed that actually. I think
0: I I just hadn't processed the fact that we've got the number one, number two. Uh, from last year, both high premier quarterbacks that were drafted in the 12th draft, uh, back-to-back week-to-week. Mm-hmm. Ian, do you have a game for the 2013 schedule to share with us?
1: I just Yeah, it, it, I think I mean, it would be between Week 7 and Week 8, but I think I'd go with Week 7 where, where Peyton goes back to Indianapolis. It, he's, he's not going to play a better game the entire year than he plays against the Indianapolis Colts, whether it be – you know, shootout or, or what, you're not going to see a, a more perfect game during the regular season than when Peyton plays against Indianapolis.
0: I love it. All right, thanks for breaking down the schedule with me, guys. Um, we're going to take another quick break, and when we return, we're going to wrap up this uh, debut return of NHR Radio uh, with a good another segment of draft talk. We're going to talk second, third, and later round prospects we're going to talk running backs. We are going to brush on wide receivers a bit more. We might even touch on the offensive line a little bit. Uh, you're listening to MHR Radio, the official podcast of milehighreport.com and the best Denver Broncos podcast in the universe. <laughs> Bad Broncos fans. This is the official podcast of MileHighReport.com. The Broncos blogger, Kyle Montgomery here. I'm here with Ken Henson and Christopher Hart. We've been talking about Broncos draft. We've been talking about the Broncos 2013 schedule. And now we're going to finish up this premier return episode of MHR Radio by talking some more Broncos draft. Broncos, the 2013 NFL draft is this Thursday. It's going to be at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. The Broncos are picking 20th overall. And we've broken down the likely places and players the Broncos might tar- target the positions they might look at with that 28th overall pick. Now we're going to look a little bit beyond that. We're going to take a look at the second round, the third round, the later rounds. And we're going to start this conversation uh, by talking about the running back position. Um, it's the case in the NFL this year. We already brushed up on it a little bit, brushed on this uh, aspect of it, but it's a passing league. Uh, this is not a, the running league that we knew. This isn't Terrell Davis. Uh, winning Super Bowl MVPs for the Broncos. And one of this is Peyton Manning and Wes Welker and Eric Decker and Demarius Thomas, Jacob Tanning leading this offense. That being said, the Broncos need a workhorse back. Uh, Les McGahee, no Sean Marino, Ronnie Hillman. It's not clear if any of those guys c- c- carry the load. Uh, so if the Broncos were to target a running back, it might be the 20th overall pick. But it, to me, it's more likely the second and third rounds that they go for that. Christopher Hart. Tell me about these running backs in this draft. I read these scouting reports I've done a little bit of looking here at some of the guys that might be interested in and I kind of like them all. I just kind of like every one of them. Uh, so why don't you break them down for us and tell us who you like and how we distinguish between these guys?
2: Yeah, I think this is a pretty good class for running backs. I don't have anyone with a first round grade at the running back position. But like you said, I think there's a lot of guys in that two second to third round area that could really come in and help this team. My favorite running back prospect in this draft, who I probably have higher than most, who's my 39th ranked overall player, is Le'Veon Bell out of Michigan State. I think he's an absolute perfect fit for the Denver Broncos. He has great size, that six foot one, 230 pounds. You know, this last year for the uh, Spartans, he ran for almost 1,800 yards, 12 touchdowns, and even caught 30 passes for about 170 yards and an additional score. You know, I think he's a guy who can come in you know, run well between the tackles, work really hard and kind of be that thunder to what I would expect to be Ronnie Hillman's lightning. Uh, I'm really high on this guy. It sounds like when the Broncos brought him in for an interview and workout that it went extraordinarily well. You know, I don't think he's worth it with the 28th overall pick, but if the Broncos did possibly trade down, we're looking to target it back. He would be my definite number one guy. Then if the Broncos don't go that route with Bell, if he's off the board, I would probably consider Eddie Lacey out of Alabama then. He had a really productive career down in Alabama. You know, ran for 1,300 yards this year, 17 touchdowns, and an additional 20 catches for about 200 yards. Um, played a second fiddle to Trent Richardson when he was first there. Kind of concerned about his injury history and his lingering issues with his quads and his hamstrings. Seemed like he was kind of lazy this offseason, really didn't prepare well for the combine or his pro day, which he kind of was pretty average at. So I think he's a good value in the second round for Broncos if they're looking for a workhorse runner who can be a good power back. Another name to consider would be Giovanni Bernard out of North Carolina. I think he's going to be an absolutely great player in the NFL. Kind of reminds me of LaShawn McCoy, a really good uh, fit for this offense because of his ability to catch the ball. But I see him as a guy who's pretty similar to Ronnie Hillman as far as skill set. So I don't know if the Broncos would be willing to consider him sim- since they have a similar player on board um uh, another guy who I think can contribute immediately as a rookie give us some added dimension in the passing game and tough between the tackles run game would be Stefan Taylor out of Stanford he really didn't perform well at the combine actually ran a lethargic seven, well, four, seven, 5 47 which was probably I believe the worst study any back eligible on the strap but he's extraordinarily well coached under Harbaugh when he was at Stanford has good size at 5 10 214 And he's just really mentally smart with his game in the NFL. And I think, you know, as a third-round guy, maybe fourth-round pick, that if the Broncos chose to address bigger needs, that he would be a great fit there. Just a couple other names to throw out there. Jonathan Franklin, who I recently did a report on today, would be another good guy to select. People are saying he could go as high as number 28, but I think he's more of a second-round guy. Then you got Christine Michael out of Texas A&M, who's a pretty big back, 220 pounds. Good speed, has some character concerns and some injury history. But the Broncos have brought him in for a workout and seem to have some interest. And you can't count out a guy like Marcus Lattimore, who's had two devastating injuries to his knees in college. But people seem to really be rooting for this kid. And I think that, you know, he might not have a longevity, you know, to have a long career in the NFL, but we're in win now mode. And if he, if the Broncos were pleased with his medicals, if he's sitting there in the third round and they want a guy who can tote the rock, I think he's an absolute great fit for this offense. And just seems like John Fox has had a history of taking. I'm looking more at those guys who are weighing over 215, 220 pounds, as opposed to a guy like Bernard or Ellington who are just, you know, 200 pounds soaking wet. So really like the depth in this draft. And I feel like the Broncos don't have to use a first round pick to come away with a good player.
0: Yeah, I agree. And the two you gave mentioned a lot of good names. There's excellent stuff. The two names I'm leaning toward are Le'Veon Bell, just like you said. He's probably number one on my board. Uh, then, uh, just in this last week, I mentioned before, I kind of do my scouting minute hour sometimes with the draft. But this Jonathan Franklin guy, we, we uh, reported on him twice this week. Uh, that the, that uh, he's just he's just shooting up boards it seems. And uh, I, I don't want them to pick him at 28. I don't want them to pick him running back at 28. Uh, but like you said. If they were to trade down, got up the 28th spot, uh, get early to mid-second round value out of one of those two guys, I think I'd be pretty happy. Would you?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think Franklin's a really good back. I mean, he's behind uh, Lacey and Bernard for me. He's my fourth-rated guy, but he's a dynamic performer. He really did well for the Bruins this year. The only concerns I have with him are ball security uh 2011 alone he fumbled the ball six times with five of them being in the last three games of the season but he really corrected that this season you know went on to be all-american all pac 12 almost ran for 2,000 yards and had 15 total scores. so anytime you guy a guy who has 2,400 all-purpose yards in one season you know he can play football and he's i think he's uh really a lot like maurice jones drew and I think, you know, Jack DeRolrio is definitely familiar with a player like that and, you know, he might be a defensive coach, but he might see something similar in there and you can never have enough good runners in the NFL and we have some question marks there. So I really hope the Broncos do choose to address that because I think on offense, we're really just a running back away from having one of the most dynamic offenses in NFL history.
0: Another Bruin. I fell in love with MJD coming out of the draft. I wanted the Broncos uh, to get him and I was uh, still excited to see him succeed in Jacksonville. Good name to drop. Ian, when it comes to running back, when it comes even later on, do you have any names you have in mind the Broncos might target for the running back position?
1: Yeah, the, them toying with the with Mod Bradshaw at least showing interest or perceived interest and in, in leads me to believe that they're looking for someone in third down. Um, Willis McGahee's is good in third downs, but there's got to be something that gets John Fox over that hump you know when it's third and three we need that guy that's going to get four yards and uh, the guy that comes closest in my opinion to Ahmad Bradshaw that's available in this draft is uh, Monty Ball out of Wisconsin who a lot of people don't like he's got that like injury prone tag but uh and he and he and he's you know he fumbles I think it was like once every like 175 180 (laughs) balls he but he's carried the ball a thousand times in college which is kind of ridiculous uh but that's also like all that experience of having done that is going to lead him to be a, you know third down running back and he's a, he's a decent sized guy. He's, i think he's almost six foot tall and 215 pounds but uh, a name that i really like who again is an injury prone guy is now davis from uh arkansas i think he would be one of those guys that just comes in we bring him in when we need him but he's gonna get us three yards a carry, four yards a carry. You know, we're looking for someone who's going to get four, four four and a half to five yards a carry. And I think that's why the Broncos even showed remote interest in Ahmad Bradshaw.
0: I think the Broncos could go for a guy like that. And thanks of those are good names. But only if they, they fail to hit on one of these other guys in the second or third round because injury prone running back, the words just don't go together. And we've got two guys on the team right now who were both injured last year, I know. Do you agree with me, Christopher? What do you think?
2: You know, I like Ball as a prospect, but he's towed to the rock a lot in college. He has a lot of miles, has a history of concussions. And honestly, can you name the last running back out of Wisconsin who ever did anything in the NFL? Ron Dane washed out. Uh, I think Michael Bennett, who played for the Vikings for about five or six years, kind of washed out. You know, it just seems like they're, you know, they run a system there in Wisconsin that's going to produce really good collegiate backs, but they really don't translate well into the NFL. But, you know, it's hard to argue against production when you have a guy like Monty Ball who had 77 touchdowns, rushing and 5,000 yards in collegiate football, you know, he's going to open up a lot of eyes and I don't know if he's going to necessarily be a mid round pick. I actually think that someone's going to probably jump on him, pr- perhaps late second round, third round, but I think there are better prospects available. But now Davis is an interesting guy. He has phenomenal speed. I think he registered in at a 43740 at the combine and he's almost 230 pounds. I just think that there are some character concerns with him, and he also has a kind of case of fumbleitis too. He didn't play in 2011 because he, uh, I think it was because he transferred, I believe, or it could have been due to injury. But he doesn't have a lot of mileage on him. But you know, some mid-round options if you're looking at a guy who won't you want to pick up a good three four yards on those third downs when we're on third and shorts. Think Rex Burke head on to Nebraska big guy versatile guy can also catch the ball would be someone who you, you could take in the fifth round something like that and a name that's kind of been floating around especially from the denver post is um central florida's running back latavius murray he's almost six foot three 230 pounds but at his pro day he ran an impressive four three five forty which is absolutely blazing and the thing i like about him most after putting on his tape is that he doesn't fumble the ball uh he runs really well in between the tackles and his The Broncos are looking at a mid-round option. If they fail to get one of those guys that we had mentioned earlier, I think he could be a a solid guy for this team.
0: Awesome. Awesome breakdown guys. Um, Are there any other late-round draft gems you see the Broncos possibly looking at outside of those positions, Christopher?
2: Uh, Well, I think this draft is extraordinarily deep at wide receiver. I mean, I have, you know... 10 guys who I think that are going to be absolute great players in the NFL, but a couple of names to watch out for, you know, in the middle rounds to late rounds at wide receiver since it's such a deep class would be Tavares King out of Georgia. He's about six foot tall, 190 pounds and runs a 440. The thing I like about him is his instincts and he attacks the ball while he's in the air. And one of the things is he understands the route concepts at Georgia, you know, in a pro style offense, you're running a full route tree. And I think having that ability to come into a guy, uh, to a team led by Peyton Manning, who is known for having a complex route system would be beneficial. I think that, you know, he's a guy whose people are predicting the fourth or fifth rounds, but he'll probably be there. And I think that he would be a good addition for depth on the team, considering, that we could use an upgrade from no show, Bubba Caldwell and uh, Matthew Willis. <laughs> um, I also like um, Aaron Millette out of Elon, small college guy, six foot two, two hundred and seventeen pounds, four, five forty. Also runs really good routes, has a good wingspan, can go up there and attack the ball. But one of my ultimate sleepers in this draft is a guy out of Syracuse. His name's Alec Lemon. He's about Broad Smith size, six foot one, two hundred pounds not overly quick or fast which is going to cause him to have some problems in the nfl separating from man coverage but he runs extraordinarily smoother out and he's kind of like brandon Stokley in that way where he can just find he can he can get against that zone and just find plays in space and had a really good year uh connecting with ryan azib uh quarterback who's also draft eligible this year and he had 72 catches for 1100 yards and seven touchdowns and average 15 yards a catch so even though he doesn't have that speed he gets good yards after the catch and i think that if he's there in the sixth or seventh round that the broncos would definitely take him um there's just a bunch of players that i really love in this draft the depth is incredible um there's some good defensive line prospects all the way through the fifth the sixth round in this draft i think that there's a guy out there um and cory grissom out of south florida a lot of people really aren't hyped on because he had a relatively average showing at the combine, but he fits the mold of a uh, uh, Jack Del Rio defensive tackle. He's got a big body, big frame, can two gap, can make plays behind the line of scrimmage and really hold up and allow those ends to get free. I expect him to go somewhere in the fifth or seventh round. Um, I also happen to like Anthony Rashad white out of Michigan state. He's about six foot one, 335 pounds absolute tank on the interior and it really allowed those guys like William Golston to go out and do some things at defensive end for the Spartans I expect him to be a really late round pick but if the Broncos don't address defensive tackle early I think he's a guy who can come in and be a good rotational player for us and one player that really hasn't been mentioned and we don't really talk about fullbacks a whole lot with the Broncos but a player I really really love is Lonnie Pryor the former running back who ended up going to Florida State and uh, switching to fullback because they have so many weapons there. And the guy's an absolutely phenomenal blocker. He averages 5.6 yards of carry, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. You can't really ask for a better team player than him. He's willing to do anything that you want to help the team win. And, you know, we still have Jacob Hester, but I don't think that we brought back Chris Gronkowski. We really don't have any other competition there, but he's a guy that you can you know, taking the fifth or sixth round and, you know, he will make a football team as a late round pick as a fullback. And he's the kind of guy who can start as a fullback for 10 years in the NFL and would be an absolutely phenomenal pick for the team based on his blocking ability, uh, rushing ability and catching ability. So I think it would be a really dynamic, sleeping prospect for this team that a lot of people really aren't talking about. So I'd really look forward to having him on the team if he was available. But I'm just not sure how interested the Broncos are in a guy who's a hybrid hybrid kind of guy. But those are just some of my favorite sleepers in the draft.
0: Christopher, I'm blown away. That was a great list of players. You are a human encyclopedia of draft knowledge, my friend. Not to suggest that MHR Radio is not as prestigious as the worldwide leader, but how is it that you are not giving this knowledge to ESPN or something?
2: Uh, work, working full time, you know, it's a privilege to get <laughs> a mile high report, you know, the draft, something I just kind of fell into as a hobby, as a young kid, I've always watched, you know, watch college football. Actually, you know, this might be blasphemy saying this, like college football more than professional football, just because there's so much parity in college football. There's just so many players out there and, you know, you know, we're in a position now where we're getting so much information out there and, you know, we're all familiar with the players that we grew up with you know watching legends like john elway and dan marino stuff like that but if you want to really be able to follow the league and kind of understand how the league is going to go and what the future holds for the nfl i think it's really important to be able to watch college players and get as much tape as you can watch as many highlights and kind of see what's going on and there's nothing more exciting than this time for than the year for me nfl drafts absolutely phenomenal time and just something i really enjoy
0: awesome stuff my name is kyle montgomery lead blogger at milehighreport.com. I was joined by Christopher Hart, our resident draft expert, and the always excellent Ian Henson. We're going to finish off this premier return debut episode of MHR Radio, but talking a little Broncos cheerleaders real quick. Get this in here real quick. The Broncos announced their 2013 cheerleader squad. Ian Henson and Christopher Hart are both good friends of mine. They're both Facebook friends of mine. And on Facebook, I mentioned that these girls are very pretty. Hart said that he only thought two or three of them were pretty. Christopher Hart, what is up with that? How is it that the Denver Broncos cheerleaders are not up to your standards?
2: I'm extraordinarily picky, happen to not like blondes, and all of them kind of were butterfaces to me. Like, honestly,
1: <laughs> oh my god,
2: Asian girl was the hottest one on there. Like, I'm not even a kid yet. Like, honestly, that was the one that put it over the top and the redhead. I'm, a, so I'm, a, I'm attracted to redheads. Attracted the Asians, but the rest of them, I honestly thought, were just whatever. I mean, if I had the chance to go on a date with any of them, would I welcome it? Yeah, but
0: I don't know. You know, it's just,
2: it's, I got high
0: standards. I I think you're just picky with the haircut. I don't know if it's high standards. It's just blondes aren't your thing. Fair enough. You're, you're still a little crazy, my friend. Yeah. Uh, I had the opportunity to, to hang out with the Broncos cheerleaders once, and I asked one of them out. It was like in a volunteer capacity when I was uh, writing for my former blog, Bronco Talk. I, so I asked out a Broncos cheerleader. I just did. I was like, "Hey, you want to you want to go out?" And she said, and I quote, "You're cute." <laughs> I, I took it as I took it as a compliment. It was <laughs> belittling and it was a rejection, but I got called cute by a Broncos cheerleader. You guys didn't, so. That's our debut episode of MHR Radio. Broncos fans, thanks for listening. The official podcast of milehighreport.com, the best Denver Broncos podcast on the internet in the universe. I'm Kyle Montgomery, joined by Ian Henson. Thanks, guys. Thanks. And Christopher Hart.
2: Thanks again, and everyone. Enjoy the NFL draft. Good
0: times for all. Join us on Mile High Report, where we'll be breaking down the draft all weekend long, live blogs, threads, coverage. You don't want to miss it. Milehighreport.com, MHR Radio. Have a good night.